the fear that I have is that like, there's just going to be more and more stuff that I'm going to have to like figure out. I don't know how businesses operate really, you know? I don't know how different taxes are for businesses. What if I like mess something up and then I'm like going to go to prison for tax fraud, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to How To. I'm Carvel Wallace. Did you know that there are approximately 33 million small businesses in the United States? Which means at some point, millions of people looked at their jobs and contemplated taking a different path. Just like this week's listener, Sarah. Currently, I'm working at um, a company that I'm not going to name um, that um, is a mobile dog and cat grooming business, and it works on like a 30% commission. I like I just always think to myself, like I could be making so much money because I'm the only one who's really doing any of the work. Yeah. So I want to start my own business, but I like don't even know where you would start with that kind of thing. So let's let's go back a little bit. How did you even get into pet grooming in the first place? What what drew you to it? I love dogs. You know, like I have my own dog. I actually helped birth her. She's the only girl. She's beautiful. I don't, you can't see on podcast, but yeah, <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> so that love for animals landed her a job at Petco. But don't worry, that's not the company she's currently at. And she started on the sales floor. But then someone was like, you should try grooming, which was really tempting to Sarah because there she would actually get to work with the animals. Their grooming process was really long. And I was doing a lot of grooms at like $12 an hour. You know, Mm. so that's why I switched companies because um, they paid on a commission basis instead of an hourly basis. Yeah. Gotcha. So what do you like most about pet grooming? Like what what sparks joy for you? Um, I really love handling dogs. And there's something about me. I'm not a big fan of authority, per se, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, so (laughs) I really enjoy working independently. I'm the one who's driving between appointments. I'm the one who's communicating with the customers, you know, that kind of thing. If you're not familiar with mobile pet grooming, Sarah has a van that she gets three days a week. On her days, she arrives at the first client's house, takes the pet into the van to groom them, works her magic, and then returns the pet to the owner. Then it's on to the next client. She makes about $15 to $25 an hour, depending on the type of animal, type of fur, difficulty of the cut, etc. All in all, she puts in 10 to 12 hour days. So let's talk about your desire to start your own business. What motivates that for you? Like, when did you start thinking, I, this might be better if I just did this myself? There are certain things with like the um, supplies that we have in the van that's not always been reliable for me. And then there are certain responsibilities. Like we have dispatchers who are supposed to do scheduling. Um, mm. But I find over time as I'm working there that they keep asking me to be more and more in contact with customers, scheduling more things for myself. Like my list of responsibilities keeps growing, you know? Mm. So I just feel like at some point in time, like it might be more expensive to buy all the supplies and to do more Uh of that work, but it would be more worth it because at least I would be getting money out of it. So how far are you along in this process? Have you decided to do it? You've committed to doing it? Have you made any steps or are you just kind of like, is it just a thing that you're thinking about at night? Yeah, it's more, yeah, that last one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. got, it. got it, got it, got it. Um, what is your biggest fear or hurdle in this? Um, I don't know. Maybe this is like stupid, but I have really, really good credit. And I'm very mm. terrified that if I like take a risk in some way and I fail, I'm going to destroy the only thing I have going for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to like own a house someday and stuff like that too. 
Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. I love it. Thank you so much. All right, May. Uh, I see you taking notes. I see you listening studiously to this. Let's get you in here. What are your thoughts? First, I just want to say, Sarah, I love your story. There's so much valid thoughts and feelings about this that is just all the right raw material for thinking through starting your own business. Meet May Chan a business alignment coach based in Oakland, California. Business alignment is all about strategy and careful planning. So May specializes in helping entrepreneurs, including newbies like Sarah, figure out how to make their dreams a reality without it turning into a nightmare. I totally get why you're like, why am I only getting some percentage of this? I also heard how you're saying I love to work independently and that you recognize that there's sort of a double-edged sword where you're not getting the support already, but like, you know, entrepreneurship is literally everything is on you. Definitely, that's the other thing that terrifies me a lot is I love the freedom, but the pressure, it like, you know, yeah. yeah. But I would love to take it on if I felt like I wouldn't fail. Although, you know, there's no way to really know that. So on today's show, We're going to figure out if you should listen to that little voice in your head and actually start your own business. Because Sarah is right. You can't know if you're going to fail, but there are a lot of things you can do to make that decision less risky. Don't go anywhere. Before May Chan started helping people realize their entrepreneurial dreams, she had to take a leap of her own. I went to school for architecture. I practiced architecture for a while, and then I realized it wasn't long-term for me. I started a family, and then I couldn't take stay-at-home parenting. So May started her own business, a children's retail shop in Oakland called Ruby's Garden, which I remember taking my kids to when they were little. Ruby's Garden became a really community-oriented kind of store. She sold local products, got to know her customers. It was a meeting place for parents of young kids. So that's how I came to know that I really like mentoring, coaching people. I have come to call myself an alignment coach because there's a lot of pressure to perform business the way other people have done it or sort of a big corporate kind of model where small business entrepreneurship gets to be totally different and really align with who you really are and what you really want to be about. So then given that, uh, we've heard a lot of Sarah's story. So what questions should Sarah sort of be asking herself before starting down this journey? My first question is, what sparks joy? Um, Like, if I could... Maybe put some words in your mouth, Sarah. The grumbly feelings of working for other people and start a business just because of that, where this new my own venture thing has to be powered by joy. There's enough friction juggling all the balls of a small business that the core thing that you're doing every day, but even when you talk about it to attract a business, that you got to talk about it like you really, really care about it. And Mm. you can't make that up, right? You can't, like, pretend Mm -hmm. enough for that to feel (laughs) resonant with people. So I'm hearing that you love dogs. And I'm not sure if I heard I love 
dog grooming. Yeah, well, so I'm a little burnt out right now, to be honest with you. And that's the other reason why I want to start my own business. They always overschedule me. I'm always in a rush and I don't do well when I'm in a rush. You know what I mean? I really put a value on the work that I put out, you know, and like what that says about Mm. me. And I don't I also don't think it's a safe environment if you're like rushing people like I originally didn't get lunch breaks. Um, so 10 to 12 hour shifts, no lunch breaks because they figured it was your break when you're driving, you know? So I had to be insistent and be like, no, I need lunch breaks. So now I get lunch breaks, which is cool. But even some days if I'm running behind, I'll just have to skip my lunch break just so I'm not ending up like an hour behind at like nine o'clock at night, you know? Sarah, I'm sorry. That's super not right. (laughs) The way what you're describing is a level of stress that is not okay. I just want to validate. Yeah. And I do love dogs. I like love being around them, but it's really hard to love being around them when I feel like so stressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've, I mean, I would say that one thing I've learned from being self-employed for, you know, however many years working as a freelance writer is that I love my job until I start performing it in a way that feels at someone else's control. I don't have say in what I'm doing and I overwork myself. Then all of a sudden I actually hate my job. The job that I prayed for, the job that I was like, I need to take the big leap and change my life and go do this thing. The thing that I wanted so badly, I, I found that I could start hating it once it got to a certain level of like like hyper-production, constantly trying to meet other people's expectations and standards and deadlines. And that's a really sad thing to lose that love for something that we love so much. So what I'm hearing you say, Sarah, is that another reason you want to start your own business is because you want to be able to care for your love in like a way that actually allows you to like stay loving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So here's our first insight. When you're thinking about starting your own business, examine what's motivating you. Note what's sparking joy and what's being fueled just by dissatisfaction with your current job. And if it's the latter, then it may be just worth finding another role that's a better fit because there is real risk when starting on your own. It's not all joy. It has to be dollars. And I think my job is to bring together both, being very centrally held. I would ask, what is Sarah's vision of dog grooming? In your world, in Sarah's ideal world, you don't have to be mobile if you don't want to, if that's not the thing that really makes it easeful for you. Yeah, honestly, if we're taking money out of the equation, I think salon grooming is better. You know, it's more peaceful Mm. because that way, if I need like a break from the dog, if the dog is biting me, I can go put it in the kennel or I can like even go take a break and then come back to the dog, which I can't do with mobile grooming. And it allows me to take in more dogs. Yeah, I mean, we are talking about money ultimately, really, because I think easeful operations for you is money. I also love that the salon is more easily scalable in that you can have another person help you in a room versus in a van. So let's step back. What May and Sarah are doing here isn't limited to the pet grooming business. They're planning out what an ideal business might look like, what kind of space she'd like, what supplies she'd need to buy, would she need insurance, etc. And if you don't know these things off the top of your head, then it's time to do some research. But don't reinvent the wheel, at least not at this early stage. You're just looking for a realistic picture. But with that being said, you can get a little creative. 
So there's one place where I could pay $300 rent to be able to use a table and a communal tub with other groomers. Mm. I don't know if the individual groomers do all the scheduling or if they have groom scheduling done elsewhere or if there are extra costs associated with that. I was kind of afraid of that because it seemed too good to be true, to be honest with you. The other thing I could do, because I live in an apartment, but my parents have a garage <laughs> and they love me. So um, possibly, <laughs> you know, if I help them clean out the garage, they would let me like use it temporarily and groom dogs there and build up the business a little bit, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love the garage. The parent garage is such a good idea. This is not like the long-term solution, but I just love when you have a way to try it out without signing a big lease and committing to a lot of dollars at first. By the way, as part of the research you're doing, you'll need to find out if you can operate a business out of, say, your garage. But here's what I'm taking away from this. There's this American mindset, right, that in order to be a successful business person, you, like, need to commit. Like, the future of your company depends on you quitting your job, taking the leap, investing wholeheartedly, gambling it all on this one venture. But in reality, it doesn't actually have to be that way. Small business owners especially should be testing their ideas in small risk ways to see if this still sparks joy, if this still makes sense monetarily, if there's a market for this. And we're going to hear more about how to do that after a break. We're back with Sarah, a dog groomer who is thinking about starting her own business, and Mae Chan, a business alignment coach based in Oakland. You know, growing your clientele seems mostly like a digital effort nowadays, but with community-based places like Mae's store or Sarah's, as of now, hypothetical pet grooming business, there is still value in being visible. The easiest attention is people just walking by with their dogs and being like, oh, look at that. The the placement came at the same time I was thinking about this need. So, you know, our local um, dog park has a grooming station right there. It's They get muddy, they go swimming in the bay, and then, oh, look, this is exactly where and when I needed it. That would be the most friction-free way for you to attract people in. I don't know if you have access to that kind of place where people talk about dogs? My parents' garage is across from Park, you know? Mm, but I don't okay. know how much I'd be able to really, like, deface their house and, like, advertise for that. You know, I could probably put <laughs> up, like, a couple signs in, like, their yard or something. Okay, now, some of you may be thinking, Carvel, I know we're talking about small business here, but operating out of your garage sounds really small. But see, that's kind of the point. Right? It's a small risk test run. But even a test run has its costs. When we're getting something off the ground, a lot of times we don't make a lot of money for the first, what, month, two months, three months, four months, six months. How much runway do you have to operate your own life without making the same kind of income that you've been making from your current sort of steady job? That is a big drain. I don't have a lot of savings because, um, I'm not really able to gain a lot of savings, which is another yeah. reason I want to start my own business. But um, how am I going to survive, you know, while I'm getting it off the ground is kind of what I think about. Yeah. Yeah. May, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? 
can you continue at a job, whether it's this job mm -hmm. or a, a better job, mm -hmm. while you're getting this thing off the ground? Ideally, it's most dollars for least effort. So you can really yeah. focus on building this other thing that really is your passion. That sounds great. Yeah. So I have been applying to other grooming places, but um, I used to have a job at the census, which I really liked. So I'm actually applying to that right now. If that doesn't work out, you know, there are a number of other things. I am looking for a second job since I only work three days a week. And then I'm thinking I could scale out my dependence on my current job financially, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. This is your first job, really, this, this new business. And the other thing is, you know, making it feasible, just balancing dollars and time. Here's our next insight. Make the financial risk less risky by diversifying your income. Like, unless you have a sturdy safety net to catch you or a big savings account, don't just jump. Always support yourself through some other kind of income. I think of it as almost like trying on the costume and just seeing like, mm. okay, I'm going to perform the day as this person and just see what comes up. Again, and it, and it feels like, uh, May, that it has a lot to do with this feeling of being on your own. You're the only person responsible for everything. You have to figure everything out. And some people... You know, I think there's so many. I think the thing about running a business is that there's so many different kinds of jobs, and the people usually we want to do it because we're good at one thing. Like I'm good at writing. I'm not good at invoicing, or you know what I mean. I'm not good at like tax attorney stuff. And so you might be good at dog grooming, but you might not be great at scheduling or navigating like multiple like needs from different customers at different times. But that is the trick of running a small business: is that you have to do all that stuff at first. How do you deal with the stuff that you're not as good at? You're so right that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know yet. It, I'm so into my journal. I love just like writing it out, unpacking the fears and mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. looking at them because they're possibly legitimate and possibly only a little bit and possibly completely ridiculous. And that's all valid. Mm -hmm. So then you just like kind of unpack them and you get to sort of played out in your mind in some ways before it happens and go, well, that's what I would do if that happened. That's what I would do if that happened. You know, there, there are ways that you mm -hmm. can make the operations smoother for you, knowing that it could be like this, it could be like this. These are the pluses of that. Like you might be sitting around sometimes, but you didn't have to answer a bunch of texts and fit people in. You know, there's also like yeah. many, many robots for scheduling right now, right? Like mm -hmm. I use Calendly, you know, pick a slot. If you can't find a slot, I can't help you. You know, those those are ways that you get to not have a staff person, a dispatcher, mm -hmm. and you set your parameters for all of that. But the main thing under all of it is knowing that it'll be fine. Someone might be, I don't know, misscheduled. They have to wait. I don't know. Is, is that the end of everything? It shouldn't be. And if someone is all huffing and puffing about that, they're not for me. I didn't want to deal with someone who's that upset about a little thing. So it's not easy, but in that way, it's like, it'll be what it is, and I can handle it no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do have, like, such a fear of failing. 
And I always feel like someone's going to yell at me. But you're right. If it's, like, all me, like, it's just me, you know? And I can respond nicely to myself. <laughs> yeah. You can. It's hard, though. I mean, again, it's like we make up this perfectionism to protect ourselves from every possible uh, negative outcome. It's just not real. Yeah. Right? It's not possible. Our humanity really is what makes us and our connection to people real. But in running a small business, that connection can often be hard to come by. You can feel isolated and totally responsible for the success or failure of the whole thing. And it's even worse if you're Sarah because you don't even have your clients to talk to because they're, you know, dogs. So what do you do? One of my works is to create communities of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. I think it's just so important. It's the thing that I miss the most when I was building my business is Google tells you some things. You're like, how do I solve this problem? They just don't, they don't know you. Other people mm -hmm. in your situation know you, and it doesn't have to be just an association of mobile dog groomers. It can be anyone who mm -hmm. is holding all of this very similar responsibilities. I, I think if you can find a business network or some place where other people are in a similar swim, it really helps yeah. to just feel like, oh, it's not just me. It's hard. These are things mm -hmm. that other people have tried that work for them. It helps so much. Yeah, I have been looking at the groomer subreddit more recently, which is kind of what's put like more of like a fire under myself <laughs> to um, like want to start my own business. But also I'm really bad at networking. I don't know how other people do it. They'll be like, you have to make connections professionally. Uh -huh. Am I going to like make an appointment like with somebody who like owns a business and be like, you want to get coffee sometime? Like that feels really weird to me. Like, how do you put yourself in situations to come across people to network with, you know? Instagram is a place where uh -huh. people like me are talking and saying, hey, come to my thing. And, um, you know, you can find the ones that you really vibe with and know that whoever they're gathering are going to have a similar vibe. That's ideal. I am part of a business network group called BNI. This is like a big corporation with chapters all over. I can't imagine there isn't uh, somebody nearby. I mean, essentially, you can say, I'm starting a business, right? I have a business anytime. It doesn't, nobody's requiring you to be fully um, supporting yourself. You know, you're a business person because you are having this conversation in some ways, ready yeah. to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's part of it is owning that dream. <laughs> you know, it's in some ways just a sentence you get to say for yourself, I'm starting a business. I am this person. And then you yeah. get to have those conversations. I think some of the bad at networking is why do I get to call that cold call that person? Because you do and you never know. <laughs> you never know who's <laughs> actually looking for exactly what you're looking for too. Okay, so this is our next insight. There's a mental shift here. Like you don't have to have doors open, pulling in a certain amount of profit to call yourself a business owner, you can just call yourself a business owner. I want to ask you a question a little bit to help our listeners make a link here, because so many people, when they want business advice, you want someone to come in and be like, okay, so here's how you do your business plan. And then your five-year plan, you only want to be this percent leverage on these out, you know, outgoing expenses. You want to make sure 
And you're not doing any of that. So why, as a business coach, how as a business coach are you talking so much about joy and community and not so much about how much you should be leveraged for your initial capital output? It's not that those things are not super relevant. Profit margin is the next thing that we look at. And really, like, at the the go-no-go kind of moment is the the spreadsheet. And it has to do with the other thing I said of what is Sarah's vision of ideal operations of this business, right? Like, um, this uh-huh. capacity for this many dogs per hour at this rate gets me this much revenue minus expenses equals this much profit. Was that worth my time? Does that seem feasible? Does that seem easeful? Can I uh, fully satisfy myself and my customers? Like those are important and they do translate to actual dollars. I think that Mm -hmm. is a puzzle that can be worked out. They might like do that exercise based on maximizing dollars. But that's exactly how you got where you got, right? That's why the company is like, you need to move faster. We need to (laughs) get through and I need to not pay you. I need to basically commit wage theft to make it profitable for them. That's not necessary, I want to say. It's definitely not necessary for you on you. But I actually don't think it's necessary for any company to do that. But, you know, this is a funny world we live in. That's why I'm like, in entrepreneurship, how can you be the great boss to yourself as much as possible? But yes, the dollars definitely need to work out. And you may, I'm also not against working hard. There may be days Mm. that you're like, I mean, they're probably in the beginning, you may feel wiped out a lot of times physically, but like energetically, you're like, and it's all mine. Like, that's pretty exciting. (laughs) It's pretty energizing in a different way, right? So these are the things, like, if you didn't design for, I'm so excited about what I'm building, then all the dollar spreadsheets, like, that kind of doesn't matter because it's not sustainable long term, right? Like, I love for, I'd love for you to start something that you are excited about for five to 10 years, That may sound like an eternity, but it can't be that you're like, okay, I'll just bring myself out for a year and then see how far I can get. What's the point? Because you'll have built this whole foundation of Sarah is an excellent dog groomer. She's really kind. You know what I mean? That's the thing you're building foundation for that gets to take you into everything in front of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I've actually got a lot of big dreams. Like, dog grooming, I feel like, isn't the finish line for me, which is maybe why I don't sound like it's, like, my passion in life, you know? Because I really want to, like, own enough land that I can have, like, a pack of dogs, like, a community, and I can do dog boarding, I can do rescues, Mm. I can do um, fostering, that kind of thing, where you, like, help dogs rehabilitate themselves. You know, that's really what I would love to do. Um, But I live in an apartment, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so not super feasible at the time. And I could do dog grooming then too. Obviously I would groom my own dogs. I could groom other people's dogs to help pay for the sanctuary, you know, type yes. situation. But yeah. yes, dog spa. That's a much larger undertaking. <laughs> yeah, It is, but I love that there's continuity, right? You're not telling me what I really want to do is own a nightclub or something like that. Yeah. We should be pointing toward <laughs> that thing. There will be, uh-huh. it will be the same Sarah 
in that sense. Does yeah. that make sense? That that people, mm-hmm. the same people will know and say, take the next step with you to go kind of deeper and deeper into Sarah's world. Has this advice been at all helpful to you? It has, it has. I think, yeah, my definitely my main issue is not that I don't have the resources, it's that I'm mm. so afraid, <laughs> you know? But the thing is that I just need to, and there's so many, it's like analysis paralysis, you know, so many different options mm-hmm. I could take. But the first thing is just like doing one of them, I feel like, you know? And like, nobody's gonna come around and like yell at me, you know? Like, mm. yeah. I'm sorry, I am, I'm fine, I get stressed easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sending you love, Sarah. This is all, I mean, in a way you should be afraid. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. It yeah. would be, you know, it yeah. would be yeah. funny if you weren't aware of what can be hard and challenging. I think the piece that will help that is knowing how powerful you are, how wise you are. Everything you said about what you know about grooming and the business, that's real. That's real, and nobody can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. You'll bring that, and my sense is that you're a caring human who will serve your customers with everything you've got and be a learning human to iterate your way into better and better. Yeah. That's yeah. the core thing that you can lean on. And this is not to, like Pollyanna, bypass what's scary and i i think the tears is the truth and you get to receive that part of yourself with love yeah yeah thank you so much yeah thank yeah uh, my other takeaway i feel like is i need to be more direct and ask for what i want and that's okay and i really appreciate you thank you (laughs) well it's really i was gonna say you did do that that's why you're on this show so it's like you already know how to do that like you're the person on this show right now no one else you Mm -hmm. and so of all the people out there who have questions you're the one who we're talking to right now because you actually do have the ability to reach out and be direct and when you do things happen that's what i'm seeing so powerful (laughs) you raised your hand yeah Yeah, that's right yeah yeah okay so just one last thing um and maybe maybe you hate questions like this may but i have to ask so for listeners who are like sitting at home going i'm gonna start my own business let's do this i'm fired up what are kind of like the first three things you would tell them they need to do like if they're going to start today right now what's the first things they need to do i would first love to start with is this something that i would do for free because of the pure joy And then number two, I would say start penciling out your dream business and what that looks like operationally and see if you can translate that into dollars and do some Mm -hmm. kind of cocktail napkin feasibility. Mm -hmm. And then start asking questions, investigate. Mm -hmm. Just start asking. Just every step will take you to the next step. Thank you to Sarah for trusting us with her dream and to May for all of her guidance. If you want to be coached by May, you can connect with her at reallifeoakland.com. Do you have a dream that needs a little love? 
Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001 and we might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek Chan. Joel Meyer is senior editor. Rosemary Belson, Kevin Bendis, and Jabari Butler produced this episode. Merritt Jacob is senior technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. And I'm Carvel Wallace. Thanks for listening.